What's going on, folks? Back at it again with a 20th and Blake podcast, part of MileHighSports.com. I am your host, Luke Zalman, um, taking over for Anilo Piro, who came in and kind of gave a little bit of a preview of uh, Peter Lambert the other day. And I kind of want to break down, you know, where his start went. I mean, there's there's a couple articles up on Mile High right now. Um, so be sure to go check those out. Got one on the Ryan McMahon, Brendan Rogers split. Um, also have one on Rymel Tapia that just went up today by Anilo Piro. Um, so be sure to go check those out. Be sure to keep checking on the website constantly. We constantly have content rolling out, but I just wanted to talk about Peter Lambert's start a little bit. I mean, first start of his career, he's able to get, you know, the highest game score of the day. Um, one of the only, I believe it's one of, you know, a handful of times it's ever been done. Um, goes seven innings, allow, or strikes out nine. I mean, allows one run. He was, I mean, he was magnificent. There's really nothing else that could be said about it. I mean, he stuck, he stuck mostly with the four seam change up curve combo. I mean, mixed in a couple sliders, but nothing too crazy. Um, over half of his pitches were that four seam and he's sitting, you know, mid to mid to high nineties ish. I mean, he's not going to touch a hundred very often if ever, but he's going to sit in that kind of higher nineties. Um, Almost kind of like, almost a little bit like what Chad Bettis showed a little bit as a starter. I mean, he's going to be able to pipe it up when he needs to, but consistently he's probably not going to be quite as much velocity as, say, a John Gray. Um, but overall, he threw 95 pitches, and 16 of them were batted balls. And out of those 16, one was a barrel. So 95 pitches, one ball was barreled up the entire game. Um, just absolutely insane. I mean, his K percentage 34.5 in his first start. Um, he, I mean, he was magnificent. I mean, there's nothing really more to say about it. I mean, the spin on his fastball was great. Spin on the curveball was great. Um, whiff percentage on that changeup was 40%. Um, just, I mean, just great. And there was, there was a lot of comments that were made after the game by Chris Iannetta, by him. Um, and here's kind of how Peter thought about it. You are. Were you cool, calm, and collected? Yeah, I was. Uh, more, more than I expected to. I thought I'd go out there and, and you know feel the heart pumping at first, but I was, I was all right from the start. So as you can see, he really, I mean, he thought he was going to be a lot more nervous than he was. But once he got out there, it seemed like he was really starting to work. He was really starting to work well. Um, and he really just, he went out there and kind of knew what he had to do. Um, and he just kind of, you know, completed it the way, the way you would hope a competent starter would, um, with all the, with all the, you know, struggles they've been through this year with Freeland struggling, getting demoted, Tyler Anderson struggling, getting surgery, Chad Bettis struggling, going to the bullpen. Um, they really needed it. And Peter even talked about how Chad Bettis was able to give him some advice before the game. You know, as a guy that, you know, he was a starter. He was a pretty good starter at one point, too. Um, he was able to give him some advice. And I think that that advice, paired with having Chris Iannetta behind the plate, um, was just amazing for him. I mean, it's a game changer to have a veteran behind the plate like that. Um, and I think it really paid off. I mean, he talked about in that bat against Daniel Descalzo, where he went down 2-0. And Daniel Descalzo is a very professional hitter. Granted, he's never going to be, you know the Bryce Harper $300 million contract, but he's a very professional hitter. He knows what he's doing up there. And Peter Lambert kind of talked about how Chris Iannetta walked him through that situation. Yeah, you know, got got to 2-0 to Descalso, and, and Chris kind of signaled to me to, like, be smart, know who's on deck, basically, and, you know, got to the 
got to the pitcher and, and he made a few good pitches. Chris Iannetta made sure to comment on his poise as well. The kind of hitters that you faced in that lineup, yeah. you really, did you see any nerves out of him? No, he's got a good front if you have him. He looked pretty calm and collected. You know, one of the things that we talked about from spring, um, something that they reminded me of was he tends to work really fast. Just try to slow him down from time to time. I think we did that. We were able to take some, take some breath before every pitch. You know, things are speeding up, where he starts speeding up, just going a little bit slower. And so that was, I mean, there wasn't a ton of action against him. There was, you know, there was blips here and there, a couple hits, you know, a walk, you know, just a couple things. But, I mean, just an outstanding Major League debut, um, especially against a Cubs lineup that really has shown throughout the entire year that they can hit the ball. I mean, you have Chris Bryant, Rizzo, Javi Baez, you have Almora, you have Wilson Contreras. I mean, so many guys that can really put the bat on the ball and really do you know, do damage against a really young starter if they miss. But the thing was, he didn't really miss. And I mean, his numbers, he had a, he had an ERA north of five in the minors. I mean, I think it's hard to even say that you would have expected this from Peter Lambert when he came up. They clearly saw something in him. Bud Black has really liked him. Um, he's always spoken highly of him, especially after this spring when he got to kind of see him work a little more. Um, Lambert had a good spring. Um, not an astronomical spring, but a very good spring. And it really worked out for him because he started to gain favor with Bud Black. And that kind of transitioned to being, you know, one of those things where when they really needed a starter, they needed a starter that day because they needed to push John Gray back, get those blister issues, you know, hopefully under control as they go. Um, John Gray was talking about, he he messed with the uh, the way he holds his curveball. Um, he moved his finger along the seam a little more, and that played a big part into why he's having these blister problems. As you can see, though, he's been great. I mean, he throws, you know, he throws a scoreless scoreless outing last time he was out there and um you know you could really just see that he's thriving right now and he's really looking like the pitcher they thought they were going to get when they drafted him um but peter lambert needed to come in and give them at least some solid innings i mean they haven't been taxing their bullpen too much lately um so it wasn't even about that they just needed a good outing from a starter i think to break that negative momentum even if it was small just to break that negative momentum that they got from that opening loss against the cubs and it's paid off i mean they beat the mets last night they're kind of rolling again their offense looks a lot better right now so they're trying to i mean they're kind of putting it back together a little bit obviously they didn't fall apart by any means um but a lot of times on the road the rockies have allowed those things to kind of you know turn into an avalanche and kind of snowball um just get worse and worse as it goes and then by the end of the road trip i mean you're three and twelve like they were at the beginning of the season. So it's definitely, it's one of those things where they really needed that start. They really needed him to be, you know, successful. And the thing I liked most was the control of the changeup. He has that mid nineties fastball. So that can be easily offset by that changeup. I mean, almost all of his changeups were right on the inside to righties and on the outside to lefties. They were all right in that corner. Um, and he just had success with it all day. He created a lot of weak contact from Chris Bryant. Um, he didn't, I mean, he didn't allow really any contact, um, any hard contact, at least off that changeup. I mean, out of his four pitches, that one had the second, you know, second lowest exit velocity averaged on it. It was, I mean, it was just great. It was a great first start. 
And that kind of allows us to transition to a guy that didn't start last night, Charlie Blackman. Um, they brought him back off the IL. Um, he had that calf strain. Bud Black said that most of what went into the decision to not play him yesterday was the fact that they had a couple travel days. He had just played a couple rehab games. I think they wanted to be cautious, not not get him too worked up and re-aggravate that calf. Um, but what they're getting back in Blackman, obviously 300 hitter. I mean, he's already hit 10 bombs this year. He's hit a league leading five triples. He's been absolutely amazing night this year. And what that allows them to do is they can put him back at leadoff or maybe they'll shuffle it. Maybe they like Tapia at leadoff. But if they can put him back at leadoff, then Tapia can go down a little bit and he can start booing that bottom of the lineup production. They've gotten good production all year. I mean, Ian Desmond's been really great lately. The catchers have been good almost all year. Um, Ryan McMahon, Rogers, kind of them splitting time. Um, they've been good as well. So they've had really good bottom of the lineup production. And what that does is that just changes the whole complexion of their lineup. When they can start getting production from their seven, eight guys, then the pitcher can possibly bunt someone over. You know, he can he can try to make something happen. And then you have the top of your lineup, Charlie Blackman, back up. And as we know, he is extraordinary at driving in runs. I mean, he's already got 31 this year, and that's from the leadoff spot. Um, so that's a lot different than being able to hit three, four, five. You're not going to get nearly as many RBI chances from that leadoff spot, but when he has gotten them, he's come through, and that's huge for them because then that bottom of the order production doesn't go to waste either. It's all just churning. All different players are contributing. And that's one thing that Ryan McMahon talked about earlier in the year. He said... You know, most teams have one, two, you know, maybe three guys that can take over a game. The Rockies feel like they have at least nine. They feel like McMahon can take over a game. Dahl can take over a game. Blackman, Arenado, Story. They feel like almost every player they throw in there can take over a game like a true, you know, all-star hitter. Um, and I think that confidence has resonated and it's been a huge reason why guys like Tony Walters are doing so, doing so well, why guys like Ryan McMahon, even when a slump, they, you know, they've been able to turn it around, been able to get back on track. Brendan Rogers, um, even though he's young, that confidence in everyone has allowed them to really put things together the way that, I mean, in their head, in Jeff Breidich's head, um, how he wanted to see it, you know, he's able to, you know, put all these things together without having to make any big moves. And that's paid off as well. All the players talk about, we're glad we're homegrown. It allows us to be more competitive with each other. Um, we're able to have each other's back. They, they're able to push each other. They're able to rely on each other more than a lot of teams that don't have as much homegrown talent. And it's been huge for them. I mean, Mo a lot of their wins this year have been the resilient type, and that comes from a team that is so thoroughly entrusted in each other that they're able to, you know, not worry about if maybe they fail or someone else fails. There's a confidence throughout the team that, okay, I'll pick you up, you pick me up. There's this huge, you know, it's a revolving circle. It's, it's almost like a Ferris wheel. I mean, I don't know what to compare it to, but no matter what happens, they're going to have someone step up and they're going to be successful. Um, Wade Davis was also able to go less or was also reactivated last night after he had that oblique strain. Um, and that, that sent Chris Russin packing, which was kind of a surprising move to me. Um, I get it. He had two appearances, only when a total of one inning. Obviously, that's not what you want out of a guy that I mean, they see as like a long reliever type. Um, 
he just really wasn't having the success that he had two years ago in 2017. That was his best year. I mean, a sub three ERA. Um, he was absolutely masterful. And for them to say, okay, we're going to designate you for assignment. That's them saying, we don't necessarily care if you leave the team. Obviously, they'd like to be able to get him through waivers and send him back to AAA, but they're opening up the chance, and that tells you how they kind of feel because teams don't put really good players, they don't designate them for assignment very often. I mean, if the Rockies had a guy like Senzatella struggling, if, you know, guys, if they were to run out of options, they're not going to designate them for assignment. They're going to try to find a new role for them. Um, and Chris Russin, I mean, it was two appearances off the DL, IL, sorry. I mean, it's same thing, but they were, they had two appearances to see him and that alone decided, okay, we're done with him. I mean, Chris Russin didn't have a great year last year by any means. I mean, his ERA was over six. Um, that's not what you want from a guy that's your long reliever. Um, especially from the left side. Um, he could be a pivotal weapon for them. I mean, in that 2017 season, he was a pivotal weapon for them. I mean, a lefty coming out of the pen that could go multiple innings. He was basically the lefty version of a Scott Oberg. And that's something they've really missed this year because Dunn hasn't been that successful. Um, Jake McGee hasn't been that great. And Wade Davis is your closer. So it's hard to use him in those longer roles. But Wade Davis was able to get back in there. Um, allowed two hits, struck out one, uh, got that one inning pitched. Um, got, you know, he wasn't able to pick up a save because obviously, you know, they were up by too much. Um, but a good outing for him off the IL, no injury news coming out of it. So that's even better. Um, even if he gets blown up, if he comes out healthy out of that, um, they feel pretty good. The Rockies did strike out once again. I talked about that on the last pod, um, got 10 K's against DeGrom totaled 15 in the game. Um, they're still striking out quite a bit. Only struck out three from their side, so that's not great numbers either. Um, but they won the game, so I think that overall they'd be happy with that performance. Five runs, five runs should normally be enough to win. I mean, if you're in a shootout, that's not going to work. But in most circumstances, five runs are going to be enough. I mean, Tapia goes two for five, Story two for five, Dahl two for four, Murphy two for four. They were getting a lot of hit production from the top of their lineup. Um, Walters went one for four. But Rodgers went 0 for 4. I mean, Nolan goes 0 for 4, ended that hit streak. So that was, you know, that was something you really don't see very often anymore. It seems like every time you look, you know, on the box score, Nolan has a hit. But he'll bounce back. I think the Rockies are in a good position right now. They got Wade Davis back. They were able to get rid of Russin. Um, and more importantly, they were able to keep Jairo Diaz. I mean, that's huge for them to be able to keep him in the bullpen because he's been very good. Um, there was some talk that maybe he might get re-demoted. They may have to shuffle a little bit, but they decided to go with kind of the most, you know, risky route, I think, and just completely designate Chris Russell for assignment, completely get rid of him. Um, but overall, I, I'm very curious to see how Peter Lambert does in his next start, see if that changeup is still working. Um, the curveball, fastball, all of it is coming out of the exact same arm slot. He's very good at repeating his mechanics regardless of the type of pitch. And that's huge for future success. It's way harder to adjust for other hitters if they aren't able to pick anything up from his motion. I mean, there's already going to be limited film on him. But if he doesn't give you anything even on his limited film, um, they're going to be much more successful with him on the hill. So I'll be curious to see how he does next time. Overall, Rockies look like they're in a good spot. Please keep checking MileHighSports.com. 
keep you know keep browsing we always have new stuff coming up about two to three articles a day um podcasts three to four times a week um so be sure to comment be sure to subscribe leave us kind of you know how your feelings are about the articles about the podcast leave us whatever type of reviews you want i mean critique is the best best thing for any site so be sure to keep leaving those comments um be sure to drop me any questions you may have in my dms at lukezalman.com or comment on any of my tweets and i'll throw them into a pile get some questions going um and i will talk to you next time baseball fans